You're listening to Close the Loop, a podcast for business decision makers who are eager to put on their marketing hat and prove the worth of their campaigns. Here to get you excited about attribution and invite you to act on these topics is the host, Kevin Dini, a true marketing and data nerd, live and virtual event speaker, and fan of all things Batman. He's joined by a variety of guests, subject matter experts, and colleagues who are passionate about helping business leaders like you to succeed. No need to take notes. Just visit the show page on callsource.com and read the transcripts, watch the episodes, or get any links mentioned in the show. Hi, welcome to the Close the Loop podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Dini, and today we're going to be talking about onboarding new employees. I'm joined by my co-host, Ron Berner. He's back with us today, so welcome, Ron. Thank you, Kevin. Happy to be back. So we're going to be talking about onboarding new employees because it's actually something that we've heard from our feedback from asking our listeners, asking people, what would you like to hear about? And one of those topics was hiring, onboarding. And so I've put together this topic. We're going to be diving into the onboarding part. We've talked in the past about hiring and we've touched a little bit about onboarding, but now we're going to go a little bit more into focusing this entire episode on how to successfully onboard new employees. So you've hired somebody, you spent a lot of time. I've heard a lot of people say hiring sucks. (laughs) Hiring is terrible. (laughs) Hiring is just a uncomfortable, uh, like tedious thing. And once it's over, it's like, Oh, I can get back to, I could take that time I was spending hiring and put it into other things. So you've spent a ton of resources trying to get someone in and now you need to, Train them, take that hired person and give them the tools, the education, the knowledge, download that they need to be successful in whatever role you hire them for. And there's quite a lot of roles in quite a lot of different formats for this and a lot of different industries. So uh, Ron and I have an interesting background of experience. So we'll be we'll be jumping into that. And I guess the first uh, question to throw it over to you, Ron, is why do why do companies bother doing the onboarding for new employees? I mean, I think it's the, a transition because usually when you're hiring, there's a need for them, right? So the people that are already there are wearing multiple hats and doing things which can be a little bit disjointed or a little bit discombobulating, even for them that are there. Whose role is this? Technically, it's not mine. We need another person. So it's confusing for the people that have been there along for the whole ride to begin with. So when somebody new comes on, you really want to cater to their to the specific role that they're going to be in. So you want to catch them up as best as you can, just to try to get them somewhere near the knowledge base that you're at on where something currently is so that they can actually kind of apply their experience. And ideally, you're hiring them in a very specific area of, of of need and they're already an expert so to speak or subject matter expert in that area so when they come on board and during the process of explaining to them and catching them up they're seeing things and hopefully learning things and immediately identifying areas where okay i i can improve on this or i can step right in but i will say that is so much easier said than done <laughs> <laughs> yeah so what do you think if a company let's say there's two Company says two different things. So company A says, okay, you're on our typical onboarding process is about six months. And then company B says, 
all right, you know, day one, you're going to go. You're expected to perform. So those are two drastically different onboarding lengths. So what do you think of all those two possibilities? Well, as the person being hired and stepping into the role during the interview, you're always, or not always, but typically you're like, yeah, I'm ready to go. Throw me into the fire kind of a thing. I find even with my experience in education and quote unquote subject matter expert in you know marketing automation in gen strategy in general, even that with that background, I'm terrified. I don't like that. I thought I did, but the getting thrown into the fire situation because there's so many moving parts and and every company is different, especially if you're talking like we're talking specifically about marketing. And they're very, very different philosophies and even terminology. You hear contacts and leads and prospects and the, the funnel. Everything is all – you need to learn how the organization is doing it, what they're doing. You need to relearn the language because they may be using think, definitions differently than the way you've known them. So – Getting thrown into the fire and marketing is something that I am absolutely opposed to these days after experience. I've recently onboarded for a major company, a very large Kaiser, and they all have an extensive onboarding process, like to the point of almost crawling. Even the HR took three weeks, you know, HR being there, just watching videos and stuff. But the, for, as far as the learning goes, you get set up with people that are in departments that you're going to work with just as as an introductory level and then just being a fly on the wall for months like there i wasn't asked to do anything for months because i was a fly on the wall to learn basically and even with that it was difficult because it's so many i mean we're talking our vendor list alone is you know five pages of of just marketing stack, just the marketing stack. So getting your credentials and getting those things is, it's a, it's work. <laughs> yeah. It's like day one. It's like, here's a manual. Uh, it's like an encyclopedia collection of, of everything you need to know about this company that being handed a manual, it, I would say is one of my least favorite ways of being onboarded. Cause there's, I mean, there could be lots of context in the manual, but it's just, not exciting not it's it it feels like you may may read through this whole book and then you're like in school and you're going to be quizzed on you know what what one sentence said and it, it kind of does feel scary <laughs> to to have that okay here's the manual go get them instead of okay here's the manual as like a backup reference because you may not always have access to ask somebody a question and you may just need to have this information somewhere. These manuals are like PDFs now. And then they're all the opposite side of that spectrum is like, there's no manual for this. Everything you're going to learn, you either take your knowledge you have going in, coming in, and then you're going to have to digest everything that I tell you or that you learn on the job, which is a lot more like in the fire. But I, I like to think of it as, and there's a lot of formats for onboarding, but I like to think of, a pretty good format being that you start out with learning about the company's resources. That means getting to know your team, people, right? You know what you know your setup's going to be, your computer, PC or Mac. Sometimes that throws people off. Like email formats they're used to scheduling. Like how how do you schedule meetings? How do you get in touch with people? 
Some companies have Slack. Some people have Microsoft Teams or something else. And so I look at that as like the resources to get to know what resources you have, who you have to ask and who you have to talk to before like going full into the deep end right away <laughs> seems a little daunting. But some some industries, I think it has to work that way. Right. Have you, have you ever had do you have any experience where you, you felt like you were thrown in the deep end right off from the beginning? Uh, I would say two areas I've worked to in have been my undergrad is is exercise physiology, kinesiology. And when I stepped in to run health clubs, I mean, I needed to know about the human body. I needed to know how to treat. I needed to know how to help people, whether it would be safety, injury, CPR, all these things. So you're on the floor and you're working one-on-one -on -one with individuals for speed and acceleration program or whatever their needs are, regardless of age and athletic ability, everybody is unique in that way. You're not learning on the job for that. Day, day one, I mean, you're not a doctor, of course, by any stretch, but at the same time, you are you have other people's health and well-being in your own hands. So you don't want to have them doing things that are unsafe, that, that are just not smart. That was one element. And I would say another one, I also worked in the NFL in research and as a producer. And coming from the entertainment background as well, it, you really don't go there to learn. You should know entertainment very well and you should be as well knowledgeable as you can about the sport about nfl about everything that's going on there's no time to learn it's kind of you're thrown into the fire and those those two specifically but they made sense and there was little fear in either one of those situations because i felt i, pro I probably was overconfident in both of those as a matter of fact saying hey this is this is all at that time in my life it's like this is all i know <laughs> so of course i can do it all and then as we get older now in marketing is so many years in marketing and getting thrown into the fire like i alluded to it's like okay this let's let's pump the brakes and i keep it simple in my mind i always say goal action obstacle so you were talking about the manual uh and talking about reading i agree with you the manuals it's not that it's daunting but you don't know what you're you're just reading it and as you're reading it, everything makes perfect sense to you, right? But the, you're not applying it. And that's where things become more like the resources you're using to solve these problems are used and you're finding out where the resources are to solve them and you're applying it and you're actually thinking. Because I can tell you that when I was going through some of the, I'm a Marketo automation user. And when Kaiser was going through the, all the marketing automations that they have in place, so the person that had built them, the subject matter expert prior to my arrival is walking me through them and saying, this is why we did what we did, what we did. And of course, if they're robust, they're sophisticated, I'm like, well, yeah, it makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. That's a far cry from completely reading it and understanding it because I'm not applying anything, right? So now if I need to go build some very sophisticated, segmented um, sort of dynamic program, now all of a sudden it's like, okay, this is... I. I need to understand the fields. I need to understand that what success looks like. So uh, to me, every question, no matter how big or small, is goal, action to, to achieve that goal, an obstacle preventing you from getting to that goal. Work in that kind of a mentality. So it's like, I need the goal. I need the obstacle to overcome and the actions I'm going to take. What is your experience? especially with onboarding, like from the, like you, my knowing you, 
you're kind of the subject matter expert that typically comes in and implements like what you do, right? Rather than you learning what the company does and you just kind of falling in line with that. You're more, you have a little bit more direction that you're bringing to organizations typically. Is that right? Yes. I have experience from like a lot of things, sometimes not even in marketing, but the experiences where I jumped into the fire were more closer to like when I first started doing jobs and doing work. And a lot of times it was like, okay, you know how to sweep a floor? Go. You know how to do this? Go. You know how to, you know, like I remember the first time I was I was working with a register, taking cash and stuff. I remember thinking like, I had this thought like, wow, this is a lot of trust placed in me because there's a lot of money in here. <laughs> I mean, relative to me at the time, I'm just like a young kid. I remember thinking, there's a lot of money in here, a lot of trust for not training me, like how to do this well. I worked for El Pollo Loco at the time and they, they made it so that, look, you just work the register. And then when it reaches a certain amount, someone else will come in and take it from you. And when you need money, you ask, and then someone else will bring your register. I didn't have to do everything. So they took away all the hard parts about the job so that I think they could hire people who were, you know, needed to be trusted less, that needed a whole lot less skill. Cause all they have to do is talk to people and press the button on the screen. They didn't have to be responsible for making sure every penny matched and everything later. Like the longer I was there, the more they're like, okay, now you got to make sure the money in your register is accurate. Now you got to make sure at the end it matches up with the total on the screen. And, and then now you're going to be working a totally different area. So I could see how they evolved the skills over time and gave me more and more responsibility. But there's another format that I'm not super familiar with, but I, I have a lot of family and friends who do stuff. And that's like apprenticeship. So that's a style of onboarding where it's like, look, you're kind of jumping in the deep end, but I'll be there with you. I'm jumping in with you. <laughs> like that, that might be the step up from jumping into the deep end and getting right into the fire right off the bat is someone being like, look, I've been doing this for a long time. Eventually you'll be able to do it on your own. Like plumbers, electricians, a lot of times they have this format, carpenters, welding will do this. And so you, you jump in and they guide you, walk you. They may give you little tasks, but over time you're given, you're given more skills, more responsibility, larger projects, less uh, of them watching every little thing you do, less micromanagement. Cause I think almost everyone strays away from intense micromanagement because they, they want the ability to see how they're doing without being critiqued every second of the, you know, what they're doing. So I think apprenticeship is, probably that next step up of an onboarding format where it's not a hundred percent deep end. Have you, have you ever experienced an apprenticeship? I have in, I guess if you want to call an internship and an apprenticeship, because I had my internship for my undergrad, I had to, I had to work a year in a hospital and I chose cardiac patients because I knew I was going to be working with athletes when I, for a career at that time. So I specifically chose cardiac. I love older people because there's a whole story. The elderly has amazing stories that we don't know anything about, right? We just assume they're old people. Well, they are, they had, they were once 20 years old as well. And I loved working with them. And of course, you know, I'm what, 22 years old or however old you are at senior in college. And I, was definitely not thrown to the wolves in that setting, right? There's a, what I would consider an apprenticeship is I'm with a nurse at all times and they're walking me through every step of the way of what their day looks like. It's the resilience in, in old men who have open heart surgery and a, they need to be up and walking within a day 
Think about that. That's insanity. I, so I'm viewing surgeries, apprenticeship, right? I'm just sitting there. They're telling me what they're doing through glass. I'm not in the room, but it's through glass and I'm sitting there observing. And they're sawing open a chest and, and doing whatever. Oh, it's insane. And they're doing whatever they're doing, but I'm being kind of talked through it a little bit uh, under the breath. While the doctors are doing this, we're talking about movies. It's insane. It's the most craziest experience I've ever had in my life. Like they're, that's how casual doctors are in knowing what they're doing. So anyway, they would go into recovery post-op, obviously, certainly needed lots of rest and they were kind of out on an anesthesia for most of the day. But once they're up that next day, literally we stand them up and walk them. And of course they weren't going to leave that all on my hands. I was there completely as an apprentice watching them do it to other people until they trusted in me enough to do to to walk and to give exercise and comfort and conversation and all the things necessary for post-op major surgery that's really my only experience that comes to mind i guess i did build houses in high school and college for that kind of money that you needed back then like el pollo loco and i certainly didn't know how to build a house and i certainly didn't know how to pour concrete and do all those things. So I was not technically an apprentice. However, my friends were, as you alluded to, there are a lot of electricians and plumbers and that's union work. So the, those union um, jobs is where the apprenticeship really comes in is that, that is you have to kind of like earn your stripes, especially in the electric electricians, you have to earn their stripes because of course it's highly dangerous, but that's about the extent of my apprenticeship knowledge. Haven't seen it. I can't really think of where it's applied outside of what you alluded to, those gigs. Yeah, well, there are companies where an onboarding takes longer. And it could be the industry. Like you mentioned, there's industries, you know, apprenticeships, healthcare, like doctors. Uh, they're not just finishing school and then jumping into the role. There's a lot of time they have to spend residency and other things uh, to perfect the art and of practicing because it's, it's there's a lot of risk maybe that's one reason that makes onboarding longer if there's a lot of risk for maybe for the company for the employee maybe to the end customer patient or whatever so something about onboarding makes it take longer right and the answer is probably well when it's necessary it takes longer when we need them to learn more when there's a lot to learn when there's a lot that they have to learn by experience like it could be like look Putting a nail into the wood is not, not going to take long to learn, but where to put it, when to put it, different types of nails, lengths, wood, I mean, you know, spacing. Like it, it can get to the point where it's like, yeah, there is a lot of stuff here and it might be too much to learn in a quick amount of time. Simultaneously, there's probably industries where it's like, look, there's just an infinite amount of stuff to learn. The only way you're going to do it is if you're actually doing it, is if you get thrown in, in a sense, and then you, you can make a lot of mistakes because the risk is low. So I think a lot of that contributes to to making it longer. But there's a, there's one other aspect of onboarding I wanted to ask you about. And that is once you, you walk a new employee through the resources, here's other employees, here's HR if you have a problem or a question about your benefits. Here's the employees you're going to be working with, right? Get to know them. Here's who's been here a long time. Here's the new hire before you, right? <laughs> here is your boss. Here is my boss's boss. Here's like how the company is organized your computer, once the resources are out of the way, right? I think the next step is the process. Here's how we do do the work, right? Here's the order we do it. Here's the priorities we place in certain things. Here is what is important to us, like values. Here's the key performance indicators. Here's 
sales or revenue is a goal. But in other things, it's like, you know, how long we spend on a job, how, you know, the feedback we get from selling a car, the returning patients and how well they're receiving the experience, how much they paid for something. You know, there's lots of measurements of success and you need to communicate to the role, right? Here's how you're measured. Here's what the company is trying to do. Here's how we go about doing that. And so teaching process or being taught process can can be a little tedious. But do you have any experience there? I have. And not only that, I have experience preaching process. <laughs> I think process from the marketer standpoint is absolutely imperative, in my opinion. I think you need to understand, again, it's goal action obstacle. You need to absolutely understand why you're doing something. The couple of things I always say in marketing is then what? Everybody has this great idea. And then I say, then what? Like, then what? Because the picture is always somewhere else, especially if we're talking about a customer journey. And in marketing, that's essentially what we're always talking about in, in a roundabout way. Because without the customer, there isn't any other marketing anyway. And without the conversion, which is all why we measure it. So my process elements are are really key. I think your leader should put the, the, the person being onboarded in a position to succeed. So they're coming in and they're clearly defining and clearly explaining you know, what their role is, what they're here to do and, and reassuring them, you know, we'll, we'll get you there, you know, but nothing to fear at the moment. I'm going to even cue them up. I'm going to ask you in our meeting, in our weekly meeting or whatever meeting we have, I'm going to come to you. I'm going to ask you this. And what that does is it builds confidence because they know what they're going to be asking. They're prepared to answer that in front of a group. So now their voice is being heard and now they're feeling like they belong. Now they feel like they matter. That is addition. In addition to actually learning and process, that is actually like making them feel a, a part of it. So queuing them up, those little wins and that just speaking confidently in front of people that you don't really know all that well because you're onboarding and then doing your piece. Um, that to me is a big part of the process. The manager, the leader putting you in a position to succeed for the big picture. So you mentioned KPIs. That's also part of the process where they need to know where they're headed and where the organization is headed. So they know what their focus is from a roundabout way, at least a, at least a guidepost to say, if I know what my end goal is or what my KPIs are, at least I know where my train of thought should be, where everything should be kind of thinking along these lines, just for a general guidelines. The other thing I think is really important is for onboarding specifically, and it gets back to setting that comfort level, is here's where we are today. This is our current state of affairs in the entire marketing ecosystem. This is exactly where we are today. Here's our end goal, like all the diagrams and all the talk and forget numbers per se, just talk about the scaling. You want something sustainable and scalable. So this is our end goal is this is where we want to get. So this is how we're going to get there. Now that's where you come in. Like this is how we're going to get there. So once they thoroughly understand where the company is, where the organization is at the point, and then how we're going to grow together and move together, then the person being hired, I like to think that's, or at least that's just how I think of myself. Until I'm there on a knowledge base, until I'm caught up to you in some way, then when we start expanding upon this to get to desired state, now is when I can really offer my expertise and my experience because this is how I've seen it go and this is how I would do things. Um, or here's how I would improve things and maybe not even improve them, but I see that you've done something in, in the strategy, in automation, in touch points and sequencing and 
I see you've done something differently than I've traditionally done in the past. Can I ask you why you do that? So then now you're having this conversation, but conversation is learning and learning for both sides is really, really helpful. And that's part, in my opinion, that's part of the process rather than a, First, we're going to do this. Then we're going to do this. Then you're going to do that. That's a whole, that is process, but that's a different process. That, that's down when you're getting into the, you know, deliverables. Like now we have a project and we need A, B, and C to happen. <laughs> you know what I mean by that? Yeah, yeah. I think of a process as something a company has used for a while. It doesn't have to be per se, but it's something the company has found is successful or it's something the company is trying to make successful. So, a lot of times process is the thing a company is less willing to change or manager or your boss or whatever. Maybe like, look, this is how we do it. At a different company that was successful, you might've done it a different way, but here we do it this way. And as a new onboarded employee, you might be like, well, you brought me in here with experience and I did do things a different way. You know, I want to learn the new way, but at some point there you might have to decide like, is this for me? And I think that that comes down to like where process runs up into culture, right? So this is the way we do it here. This And here's why. We do it that way because this person always drops the ball. So that's why we always do it. And you're like, oh, wow. So our whole process is wrapped around someone who's dropping the ball. <laughs> kind of odd. Or another time it's like, look, we're doing it this way because it's what corporate says. Or we're doing it this way because the law says, or whatever it is, is setting parameters around it. And that's why maybe they're doing it. But within the parameters, there might be a couple ways to do it. Whatever it is they've chosen and staked down, this is how we're going to do things. It sometimes is a pattern that exists everywhere else. I like to think of it as, well, the process is loose here and it's loose there and it's loose over here and it's kind of tight there, but it's again, loose there. So then it's like, wow, the process is there. It's fairly loose everywhere. So to so then if you think about it that way, the culture is that processes are a little bit looser here. And that's this company. And some people are like, I love that because I love having wiggle room. And other people are like, uh, the process is being loose, make it really hard to see what's working. It might be really hard to see why it's not working. It might also be difficult for other people to learn because it's like, okay, I went with this guy today and learned how to spray for pest control. And then I went with a different guy and he does it a totally different way. <laughs> it was like, uh, well, I was told by this guy that that's the way you have to do it because of the rules. And this guy says the rules don't matter. So <laughs> it's like, well, man, at the end of the day, onboarding a new employee has to figure out, okay, you know, do I want to job hunt again? Do I want to quit this job? Do I want to start looking again? Is this the culture I want? And so sometimes they just, you know, I'll just go along with this. This is the work I want. Or this is I'm fine with this. I'll see how it goes for a while. But culture is a big deal. So what do you think about onboarding new employees and then figuring out whether the culture is for them or not? Well, I think one thing to avoid, and this has happened to me in multiple stops, too much information. It, you, you, you get paralysis by analysis because when you're new you're eager you want to learn everything and you want to know everything so on one hand it's good that the, the company's giving you all of those things i also know that going meeting to meeting to department to department and just getting fed stuff you might know marketing from a overall 
standpoint, but you don't really know how things are done in, in the particular business that you're at per se, you know, on some level, look how confusing it is for the people that have been there for years. Like there's a lot going on, right? They've been there for years. You're there for day one and you're thrown into all these meetings and you're just getting bombarded with information. And yes, you need that information, but you just can't get it, it all at at the same time, not only that, you can't retain it. It's like it, months later, things will come up and you're like, oh, okay. Now I remember this conversation day one when they told me everything. That's the trick really is the pace of onboarding and the, and the information that's that they should have and when they should have it. I found most places I just get thrown into the weeds from too quickly from not necessarily on what I need to do on a day-to-day -day for my job, but into information that I'm just not ready for yet, simply because I don't understand how things are working to even to that point. So it's hard to understand points B and C when I'm not clear on A yet. That's one thing that I really think is the bombarding of information all at one time. Yeah, that's a, you make a really good point about the pacing and then the organization, the order of onboarding. Those are huge. And if you get them wrong, it, let's say an employee new hire, partway through, size is not for them, and they leave. Now, okay. <laughs> now, why did that happen? I like to look at it like until someone is completed onboarding and the manager, I think a leader, has a point where they're like, I trust this person's onboarded, they're done with the onboarding. At that point on, I think the responsibility of the onboarding shifts off the manager's plate and then they're, they're done with it. But until that, that point has reached, I think it really is the responsibility of the the onboarding person and the hiring person, if it's separate, if it's the same person, maybe better. The responsibility on making sure this person is set up for success relies on them. And so they may need feedback like from someone like you saying, yeah, you gave me the org chart and told me to memorize this and then later explained who was actually important to, to ask for certain questions. And so I didn't really remember who it was. And then when I had questions, I didn't remember who it was because it's not something I needed uh, or, or whatever it is, right? So like the, the cart came before the horse. And so it was like hard to put it together into a contextual way. At the end of the day, though, I, I think the whoever's responsible for an onboarding an employee wants them off their plate because they want to move on and do other things. And they're responsible for it because if, you know, you spend, I don't know, four or six weeks onboarding someone and then they leave, now you have to restart hiring. That's going to take time. We know from previous uh, discussions and stats, it was something like 30 to 90 days is the average time it takes to hire a new person. Then you have to onboard them another six weeks, probably, and then hope at that point they, they are the right fit. So over time, you're just cycling through this process, doing this over and over again. And with some employees, they may get it quicker in the beginning than others. Others may, you know, take it really slow. It may not all relate to like the quality of the employee. So, but I still think it falls on the onus of the manager who's responsible for how well onboarding goes. What do you think? Right. I do think it falls on them. I also think it goes a step earlier in the interview process. I think you want to be very specific and clear almost what they could expect because that would. I know as a person that gets interviewed for roles to move throughout my career, I always say, I let them know straight up, very professionally, of course, but like we're vetting each other here, right? It's not like the, the only job possibility in the world for you. So if you're, if you're desperate, you probably wouldn't say that, but in 
the grand scheme of things, really what you're doing is you're vetting the, the company that's employing, that, that's, that's interviewing you, as well as they're vetting you. So in that process, if the manager is very, very clear with the role that they want this job to be and this person and how they want to take them and how they foresee them going and grow and growing and all of those things. If you're very clear with all of that, the employee, the interviewee is going to obviously ask questions back because it's, it's the choice that they're going to make. And it's a big deal. So that kind of back and forth will really tip off on um, both sides on how things are going. So if that is all handled well in the interview process was once again, the onus is on the manager, right? It's they're the ones that are doing it. So then when it gets to the actual onboarding process with the manager, it's not a lot of surprises. There's not a lot of tricks. And if there is, then shame on you. And no wonder they're leaving and, and going to a better opportunity because it, the picture wasn't painted quite as the interview process led them to believe. And that's, that's back on the manager again. But I do agree with you. It's pretty much the manager's responsibility. And that's why I think transparency and even something you mentioned earlier about not knowing how long the loosey-goosey culture and environment, but that's where SLAs come in. So I think I have confidence in, in an organization when I know specifically that this is the ask, this is the work that's going to be done. We're having meetings constantly to, to work out this process, as we alluded to. And in this process, we determine the SLA is basically in that moment, the service length agreement of how long it's going to take you to get what you need to get. And that puts pressure on them. So you're not waiting around. So the culture becomes, there's two days, it's going to take them two days to, for this release or for this, for this process to happen to, for them to complete the work required. That's a comfort, in my opinion, that's a comforting feeling. I like knowing the timeline. I like knowing when to expect something from somebody else and i like knowing how much is on my plate that i need to take care of to get to them because like you said when they get to that meeting and they're like oh yeah i'm not ready yet or that kind of a thing and they're like uh okay well how long am i gonna have to wait that's not great for for anybody but the person that says well i'm not ready yet now they're accountable they have to be held accountable because they're in the meeting it's okay things happen i'm not saying that you're in trouble because you didn't get things done on time but we're in a meeting and this is not done and this is being a hold up. So what's your update? When, when can we expect this? What's, you know what I mean? So you typically, I would think no employee wants all that pressure on them saying, okay, this, I should have delivered on this date and I did not deliver. Now I just had a meeting and say, I need another day or whatever. You know what I mean? So that kind of perpetuates the culture to say, okay, we're a machine and I need to answer for not having a, B, or C completed so that communication, that co collaboration is clean uh, and clear. I think it is really important to make sure the collaboration is clean and clear. And it could, I think it needs to go both ways in, in a sense, because I think it helps you as the hiring manager or leader to get some feedback. I think it's important to know maybe this went too fast or, you know, if you had asked me here, we could have gone faster. Like maybe in one area, they're like, look, we went too fast. Another area, we went too slow. And so how do you know? And every person is going to be different. I think you can really screw up onboarding. <laughs> I think you could, I think it's easy to drop things and make things so that you just spend all your time hiring. And when they're done hired, you just want to wash your hands of it, you know, and be like, okay, hey, go, you know, other people will train you. Yeah. Some other employee here who's been doing it a while, they'll just train you. They'll pick up the, the habits, good or bad of that person, the processes, good or bad, the values, right. Of that person. 
with a little bit of like ind like indifference of you know this is a different person they're going to respond to things differently look at it like i spend a lot of invested time and resources hiring i'm not just hiring a person for today to do this job today i'm hiring this person in a role that i want them to grow so that the, later they may be going to hire people and they're going to go through things and so it's a future investment and i think it should be taken seriously and i think it should be looked at if you have an onboarding process you think could be improved I don't think you, you know, go hardcore in the workshop and make a 10x longer onboarding. I think you just look at, okay, what areas can be improved? Ask a recent onboarded employee, or if you're onboarding one right now, ask them, you know, how's it going? What could be improved about this process? I've been through a lot of onboardings, but I haven't ever been through one where I was asked for feedback at the end. Have you ever had that, Ron? It's so funny that you just specifically asked that question because the point I was going to make is, Exactly that. I was going to say, it's also important in that process for the person that is onboarding you to say, how are you doing? How, you know, are you getting it? Is everything like just checking in? Just how's it going? If you have any questions, like, let me know that kind of a thing. So I have had experience with that. And I'm, I would say I'm more, probably the job I have now more so than ever. And it's interesting because this whole conversation, are we talking like if you think about a company this, that has 10 employees or a company that has thousands of employees, right? So the processes are different. The SLAs are different. So that loosey-goosey stuff doesn't really fly in major corporate America. It's more of an intimate setting. And the other thing is like a timeline. So the amount of pressure on an organization as far as how quickly need, things need to get done or how much pressure is on an individual, it's really the timeline. It's like, okay, it's, it's going to take us... To put our entire marketing stack in this several thousand employee company starting from scratch, it's going to take a few years, right? So we're going to, I mean, literally, you can't do the stuff overnight. So then you just start building. So the pressure feels a little bit less. I'm going through a little bit of that right now. But I will say, I have been, I've had leadership high up in the organization. I mean, I'm a senior marketing manager, so I'm up relatively high myself. But I obviously still have bosses and they have been unbelievably generous in terms of asking, how you doing? Are you with us? Because they, like I said, like I said, they know how confusing it is and they've been there for this whole ride for the, starting their marketing, you know, over a little over a year ago. So they just got Marketo a, a year ago. And so it's still in its infancy for a massive corporation, right? So all the things that they have going on are tricky. And when I came on and I started trying to learn, it was so overwhelming in terms of so many things going on that I had, my head was spinning, but they're just checking. They're, they're, they're like, just, it's it's all good. Just relax. As, are you good? Do you have questions? And I found that to be um, really, really, really comforting for just to simply to know that I could ask questions at, when I needed to, as well as knowing that they're like, yeah, look, you're not going to come and save the world. <laughs> you just... It's gonna take it's gonna take us some time. That check-in help because as a new employee, you you're really eager. You want to come in. You want to put. You want to show them that you that that you're worth it and that you're happy. And it's the next step in your career, either to get a stepping stone for an advancement in your career or to grow within the organization. So you really want to come in and do something, and you're ready and eager and ready to able to go. But you just need to be aware of the fact that by your leadership that they're there for you and that it's not you know overwhelming or too much for you and that the resources are there one really important thing about what you're saying there with the resources is trust so 
in a sense, in an essence, you may want to, from the very get go, make sure that this new employee feels comfortable asking questions. Because I think, yeah, the ego's in there. I really want to do well. I don't want to have to ask questions. I want to come in and just rock this thing and then not have to say anything. I want them to, I want to be able to just read the mind of my manager boss and do everything perfectly. I don't want to ever look bad. I don't want to ever make mistakes. I don't want them to see that maybe like I have imposter syndrome and I'm, you know, I'm just faking it till I make it. But that's, that's, that's how pretty much everything is. And it's hard to get over that. And it's hard to create trust right away. You kind of have to earn trust. So it's really hard to set someone up and help them feel comfortable asking questions when they make mistakes. Cause I think there's a grace period. I think it's, I think it's almost always there, but I think that should be well established. Like, look, people make mistakes. Like, you, like as an electrician, I'd be like, look, just don't make a mistake here. Otherwise you're going to fry, you know, there's this high current running here. So, you know, in other areas, like, like, look, as a doctor, yeah, you know, it's hard to make a mistake with this patient, but that's why we make them here. That's why I make them now. That's why we ask the questions. And it's really important you do that. So I think establishing a culture of questions has to be present in the company. Otherwise you're going to have employees who work for you terrified to ask questions, terrified to make mistakes, never wanting to admit that. You know, you're hearing about it in reviews when you're not, you know, when you should be hearing about it from your own employees. That's, that might be a signal. Hmm. I got a culture problem. It means I got an onboarding problem. It means I got a, you know, it's just a lot more involved. Yeah. I would say don't talk over people's heads. I mean that always like in the sincerest way, because sometimes when you simplify things, like you said, when you come in, you feel like you're the subject matter expert. So there's all this pressure on you to be the expert. It's okay to say, I don't know. And I've had to learn that because you feel the pressure of they hired me for this role. So that means I need to know everything. And, and, and when you get asked a question, it's like, uh, off the top of my head, I don't have every possible nuance of a marketing automation platform memorized. I know, I know it extremely well, but I, I need, you know, you need to, sometimes you need to fact check a little bit, or you need to validate what you think or solve something in the instance that you hadn't even ever touched before because you just haven't needed to. So it's okay to say, I don't know. And it's definitely okay when you keep saying things out loud, then everybody's on the same page and everybody's on board because what you don't want is people that are too afraid to ask a question and they kind of either assume something or don't quite understand from several weeks ago. And now we're several weeks later and all along, they really weren't quite sure what we were doing, what we were talking about, what the objective was, what the obstacles were. So that real clear, redundant process talk, that's not over anybody's head. I think uh, as a manager, leader of your business, you've got to own onboarding. You've got to take responsibility for the hiring and the onboarding. I think those go hand in hand and whatever that looks like for your industry or the role, I think we talked about, it can be, very different in terms of length of time, the pace, the format, the style, who does it. Maybe multiple people do. Maybe there's shadowing involved. But I think at the end of the day, we've we've done a good job uh, outlining, you know, that it, it helps to establish trust to make sure that employees armed with, you know, as much as they can in their role to be set up for success. I think that's like what you had said. The goal of onboarding is to make sure that this new hire is set up for success. That is a simple way to put it and it's difficult to get there i think it's easy to screw that up <laughs> and not only that it man it's on the manager too right you hired you hired this person so it would behoove you and your 
department and the organization as a whole for this person you hire to succeed because if they succeed that means you're succeeding yeah they're without them right the company is umbrellaing carrying their weight until they're there everyone else is carrying the weight so as soon as they're there it does lessen a little bit of the load the pressure that exists on other people who are currently fulfilling that role wearing an additional hat so that it's also really critical to get you know onboarding right for the benefit of everybody else who's an existing employee I think that pretty much covered it. Was there anything else you wanted to add, Ron? That was pretty thorough. That was really, really good in depth on both sides of the fence, right? Yeah, I think we, I think we totally we hit a lot of this. There's we could dive into each little piece deeper, but I think we got, we covered like the general idea of it. But um, yeah, help new employees land on their feet. That's what onboarding is all about. So thank you for listening, and thanks, Ron, for coming on. Thank you, Kevin. Happy to be here.